I say to people that we're in the business of feelings and as salespeople, you need to give your audience a good feeling that you are trustworthy, that they like you, that you're not trying to sell them something they don't need. And so you need all the tips and tricks, particularly the nonverbal things to build that trust, build that likability. And that's a factor of how you show up on this camera. Welcome to the State of Sales Enablement Podcast with your host, Felix Kruger. Insights and actionable advice from B2B marketing and sales experts that share what it takes to achieve sales enablement excellence. While Zoom has reduced friction during the B2B buyer journey, it has also lessened the ability of sales teams to effectively engage buyers in face-to-face meetings. Zoom fatigue is real and the ability of a sales rep to effectively communicate with buyers remotely has become part of the modern sales skill set. Our guest in this week's episode gives the sales teams of some of the most recognized technology brands in the world the voice and presentation skills needed to make Zoom meetings their competitive advantage. Please welcome the Managing Director and Chief Speaking Officer of Jabber Training, Alistair Davis. Alistair, welcome to the State of Sales Enablement. Hi, Felix. Thanks for having me on your show. Alistair, you're very active on LinkedIn, but for those people that are not familiar with your name or what you do, who is Alistair Davis? I'll give you a bit of history about where I came from and why and how I got into doing what I do today. I grew up in a small town in South Africa called George, age 20. I went to Dublin, was very green didn't know much about the world. And I started working in sales for Oracle. And then I was in the Oracle economy for about 10 years because after Oracle, I moved to London, worked for a small Oracle partner. Then I moved for a medium Oracle partner, then came back to South Africa, ran my own business. But at that time, I also did an acting course and fell in love with acting. And one day somebody said to me, Alistair, can you do a voiceover? And I was like, yeah, of course I can do a voiceover. What's it for? Radio. Cool. Let's do it. And so I did a voiceover and I was hooked. I thought this is quite cool, you know, getting paid to use your voice and then also paid to play these other characters. Because sometimes you have to be a German guy and you have to be a Mexican guy or an American. And so you could play with your voice in that way. And I thought that was pretty cool. So I started doing voiceovers about 11, 12 years ago. And that carried on. I sold out of the old company because I didn't like it at all. And voiceovers and acting were sort of part-time for me. They were always there, just going along. And then in 2016 or the end of 2016, I said, all right, I've had enough of my old company. I'm going to do voiceovers and acting full-time. And I did, and it went well. But I always loved enablement, training seeing the aha moment in people, you know, when you give them some knowledge and they go, oh, that's amazing. Wow. These, you know, you've changed my way of looking things, the way I do things. And so I approached somebody I knew in SAP and I said, he worked in sales enablement. And I said, I'd love to work with SAP. I've got something I'd like to work with you. And he said, well, what do you got? I said, well, I think I can teach you around the voice because salespeople need to have an engaging presence, an engaging voice when they're presenting, persuading or negotiating. And he said, okay, let's see what you got. And so I developed this curriculum 
And that was the birth of Jabba and the methodology that we teach around the voice, improving the voice, becoming engaging as a presenter, and the rest, they say, is history. And since then, working with Salesforce, with Hitachi, with Google, so some nice names out there and trying to preach the gospel, so to say, on, on the voice and why it's so important for salespeople or anybody for that matter in today's new normal, new abnormal, new whatever normal you want to call it. That's awesome. So it seems like with your approach, you've gained quite a bit of traction with really big brands around the world. So why should salespeople really consider working on their voice and acting skills in 2022 and beyond? Why does it really matter? Good question. Well, I say that modern professionals are almost 30% actor. We are doing a lot of what we do on a screen. Now, you and I are talking on a screen. You can't really see much of me. You can see a little bit of me. So the nonverbal cues of body language and voice still play a huge role in building trust, in building likability. Of course, you need to know your stuff. Nobody's going to buy something from an idiot or a person who knows nothing about their subject matter. But if you take two salespeople that are equally skilled and the one has better nonverbal cues and body language and voice, they're going to get further. They are going to get further. They're going to build more trust, build better relationships. And it's not about just talking. It's also about reacting, about listening, about empathy. As humans, I think we are so distracted. We've got so many things competing for our attention. Our attention spans are shrinking. So if you're getting presented to by people either on the phone, on a video outreach, on a Zoom call, in a whatever, and you're not hooking the audience and grabbing them from the get-go, they are going to tune out. They're going to do something else. I read a statistic the other day that on a Zoom call, on a webinar, or I can't remember the actual format, but it said that the 50 to 60% of people are doing something else. Doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> so if you're on this Zoom call or you're doing whatever, you've got to grab them. When we break it down and really go into the specifics of delivering an engaging virtual meeting, what are the building blocks? What do you consider is part of that engaging delivery? So when it comes to virtual meetings, I'm going to assume that you know what you're talking around. I'm not going to teach you around your subject matter because you know what that subject matter is. But we need to engage the limbic brains when we are presenting or selling. So that means an engaging storytelling approach. That means smiling with the face and the eyes which indicates empathy, openness, success, which also brightens the tone. You've got seven to 15 seconds to make an impact on a video outreach, on a Zoom call, doesn't matter. So it's a factor of warmth. It's a factor of storytelling. It's a factor of your energy, your vocal variety. All of these things showing that you are alive, that you're happy, that you're passionate, that you like to work for said company. <laughs> that, you know, I've got something of value and I, and I want to share this with you. They must feel it. Your audience must feel it. From your perspective, is there a certain demographic or industries that have better voice or acting skills than others? There's a stereotype of Germans being really dry and boring. 
not very charming. So I certainly are self-aware in that sense and always try, especially in video meetings and presentations, to dial up my energy levels 10x. But beyond Germans, let's say, certain industries, do you see that there are certain demographics that have more work to do than others? Yeah, it's always tricky to generalize. I think it's more cultural. There are cultural nuances. Certain industries are a little bit more dry. If you're an actuary or if you're an accountant, and I apologize to anybody who is an actuary or accountant that's listening to this podcast, but they're generally selling with numbers and the numbers do the talking because there they are. The numbers are there. And you obviously have to be a good orator and a good speaker as well. But generally, salespeople have confidence, but sometimes confidence can be perceived as arrogance and that arrogance can shut an audience down if you come across as too cocky or too confident. So it's a fine line. I mean, I've met some amazing speakers who are from industries which you would perceive as not really being where good speakers come from. So it really depends. When you work with sales teams and you kind of look at the different areas that you outlined earlier in terms of their presentation, you mentioned the energy levels the smiling during the meeting that kind of influences the way you come across the vocal variety and so on. Are there certain areas that you see typically requiring more work than others? Or is it just a question of different people have different requirements and it just, again, depends? I guess everybody needs to have a little bit more energy and aliveness on a call. It's a well-known fact that the camera flattens us, makes us less than. So Back in the day, we didn't have this. 40 years ago, you'd have to go and meet somebody. You'd have a telephone call and then you go meet them. And that's how you did the business. And then if you concluded the business, then you'd have a steak dinner and conclude the business. But now we're doing this. And so you need to think about how you can up your vocal variety, give more power to your vocal engine as well as your physical performance. And that comes down to breath and breath control, which... I say is the petrol or the gas to your vocal engine. Get that right, get enough air in, control it, will fuel your vocal variety, will fuel your physical performance. And one of the easiest ways to improve that is to stand and present because physiologically you're taking in more air, more volume of O2, and that fuels a dynamic vocal performance as well as physical one. So breath and breath control Everybody needs to look at because that'll influence the filler words, which some people use. And that's an indicator of confidence of, do you know your subject? Are you in control? It will influence your pitch from the highs to the lows, your volume, your pace, and your pausing. Everything is underpinned by effective breath and breath control. Right. For somebody like me who uses a lot of filler words, would you say that breath control is the key to overcome that? For sure. It's a technique where you are looking to take in one breath, one thought. Right. So if you're taking in one breath, one thought, this could be applied to a slide. So if you're presenting with slides, it could be one breath, one click, one breath, one progression. And what that does is, if you're taking in a deep belly breath, you are now saying, okay, in my head, I'm going to talk around that click, that point, that bullet point. When I'm finished saying my thing, my idea, my point, my line, 
I take in another breath and I decide if I'm going to say something more, I move on. What that also does is it makes you more succinct and therefore you don't waffle, which is also another thing that we need to be careful of because if you're waffling for the sake of just saying a couple of words and you're just sort of carrying on and you're repeating the same thing you said before, your audience are going to zone out. Or what I've previously heard was that filler words are also a way to eliminate silence, which people are uncomfortable with if they're speaking to a group. Mm -hmm. Do you think waffling is kind of the same mechanism that you're trying to avoid silence and you just want to continue speaking until you come up with something that's sort of of quality and of relevance to the audience? hundred percent. But as I said before, our attention spans are diminishing. The way we consume anything nowadays is now instant, give it to me. I don't want to wait. So as speakers, we almost have to adapt and think, okay, how can I say less words, but in a better way? Got it. Got it. And that comes down to practice. Yeah. Practice focusing on the breath. One breath, all right, I'm going to talk on this point of not waffling. When I've finished the points around not waffling, then I move on. That was one breath. Got it. The other point that always comes up over and over again, you know, when people talk about virtual meetings and being more engaging is the actual eye contact with the audience as well. So is it a question of actually staring at the camera or are there other techniques that people can follow to actually solve that issue of seeming like you're not actually looking at the person and not actually addressing that person during a conversation? Long story short, yes, looking at the camera to facilitate that eye contact, but there are also technical solutions that you can employ here. You could have a teleprompter with a mirror. So that's another thing that people do. I don't know if you've ever spoken into a teleprompter. I have. I am actually right now. Well, there you go. So you have the technical solution to overcome that problem of where am I? That's right. <laughs> Checking to see if do I look good? Okay, I'm good. You mentioned the teleprompter, but there's obviously all kinds of other equipment that people can invest in. Lighting, yep. a high quality camera, microphone, whatever it might be. What are the, the areas that you would recommend salespeople or companies even that equip their salespeople with those sort of tools invest in first? Like, what do you think really makes a difference? Lighting is important. I've got a couple of lights here. I mean, if I switch my light hole, let me switch off this other one. I mean, that's too dark, but that's how some people do a sales call. <laughs> the shadow. <laughs> I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. I've seen, you know, when you've got the lights behind you, that's a problem. Yeah, yeah. It all depends on what you're trying to do. So lighting is important, a good microphone, and then framing, framing yourself on the shot. So this shot here is called a medium close-up in cinema photography. And the medium close-up shot is nice because it's a bit more physicality. And the other thing about standing and presenting is that it brings your hands into play anyway. So when you are talking with your hands, the hands help with sentence recollection and word retrieval from your brain. All oh, right. It's been proven that this helps you talk better because you've got these things that are now helping you retrieve your thoughts and your words. So... That impacts succinctness, it improves you not going fillering all the time, and it adds life, soul, and power. So when I do voiceovers, when I do the odd voiceover, I always stand because 
it just gives you something more to work with. Got it, got it. But obviously you don't want to be doing this all the time because then that is distracting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So only only as much as would be somewhat natural, I guess. Yeah. I also think that in this medium, what a lot of salespeople do is they'll get on a call and then the slides come up and then, oh, slides up. Cool. Now I can relax because the slides up, they're doing the talking, but it's the audience needs to connect with you first and buy into you and your story and get a feeling for you and think, okay, cool. I like Felix. He seems like a cool guy. All right. So what you got? So it's person first, slide secondary, and it's not a question of hiding behind the slides, but rather having the slides as a supporting element to an engaging delivery. Yeah. I say to people that we're in the business of feelings and as salespeople, you need to give your audience a good feeling that you are trustworthy, that they like you, that you're not trying to sell them something they don't need. And so you need all the tips and tricks particularly the nonverbal things to build that trust, build that likability. And that's a factor of how you show up on this camera and your body language, your eyes, your face, your tone, all of those things. And you mentioned practice before, which absolutely makes sense because as you said, delivering a sales presentation is essentially a performance or any sort of meetings is a performance because you appear on a screen and you have to maintain an engagement just like an actor. But when it comes to the actual practice of that delivery, how do you typically solve that when working with clients? And how do you recommend anybody listening right now to practice? Is it a question of having a partner and a coach? Is it a question of recording yourself or a combination of both? Combination of both. I would say that a coach is important because I'll give an example. Yesterday, I have a voiceover website that I've had for many, many, many years. And every now and again, I get a guy or a woman saying, hey, I want to be a voice artist. So I clicked on his demos or the things that he did, and they were terrible. But he thought he was talented as a voice artist. And I think that that reflection, that ability to self-reflect with a coach is important because once you understand where you are and where you could go, you will really blossom. And we're talking fine margins here because a lot of the listeners to your podcast are really smart people. They've been to university. They might have a master's degree. They might have a PhD. There's a lot of smart people in this world. And a lot of us are okay presenters. We can talk. We can convince. We're running our own businesses and we do pretty well. But it's like taking you from there to there. And I use the analogy of when you're losing weight, you can lose weight quite quickly initially. But to get to the top level, that last little bit, that's the hardest part. And as salespeople, as sales directors, whoever, if we want to get to the next level, if we want to really stand out from the crowd, from the competition, then that requires a little bit of finessing. That requires iterative feedback from a coach, maybe from a training cohort. So to answer your question, Record yourself, first point, on a phone, on Zoom. Second point, get feedback on said recording, either from a colleague or from a coach. And the third, get into a group training cohort. So what Jabba is doing at the moment is we're saying, 
let's bring people into training cohorts, 10 to 20 people, and you boot camp this and you get feedback. And I said to Felix, Felix, love that recording of you doing that pitch, but uh, maybe you could tweak that part. Yeah, it's a great idea. Okay, cool. Yeah, nice. Like it. Got it. Got it. And considering that presentation skills is typically not a technical skill that sales managers would necessarily be masters in either. Do you see that peer-to-peer coaching being key compared to sales managers leading the coaching process, let's say without your involvement, if somebody listening right now wanted to get started and kick off a program like that? It's a good point. Good question. I think it's a collaboration. I think that when Jabba works with a team, it's like, okay, if you're the sales manager, Felix, right, you've got a team of eight, 10, 20 people. What are we going to give them? What are the challenges we're going to let them do? Are they going to pitch product A? Are they going to overcome objection B? Are they going to pitch product A, B, C with an SE demoing this to a board of directors? I think the training that I'm positioning here is hyper niche, hyper customized to a specific cohort. And the cohort can be no more than 20 people. If you have more than 20 people, then there's a couple of hiders, and then you don't really give that one-to-one feedback. Alistair, well, thank you so much for sharing all those tips with us. It's been awesome to talk to you, and I've learned a lot, and it's given me a lot of inspiration to improve on my own delivery, especially those pesky filler words (laughs) that I am luckily able to edit out of my podcast recordings. But for anybody who's seen me live, knows that it's still something that I'm working on. For people who want to learn more about your work and consume more of your content and might also want to learn more about what Jabba does, where can they find you online? I'm very active on LinkedIn, as you said. So my profile is Alistair Davis and the company is Jabba Training. So Jabba is J-A-B-B-A training, Jabba Training. Comes from the English slang phrase Jibber Jabba. Otherwise, my email address is alistair at jabbatraining.com. It's A-L-I-S-T-A-I-R at jabbertraining.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining the show. Vielen Dank. Thank you. Dankeschön. Next time on The State of Sales Enablement. Hi, this is Felix Kruger. And Devin McDermott. Sales enablement is one of the fastest growing business trends globally, and it's hard to keep up with all the information that's out there. That's why Felix and I have teamed up to curate the latest industry news, expert insights, research reports, and social media buzz for you. If you want to be in the know and operate on the cutting edge of sales enablement, this month in sales enablement has you covered. Visit thestateofsalesenablement.com to register for the live stream or subscribe to the State of Sales Enablement on all major podcast platforms.